Is there one truth, many truths, or no truth? As Christians living in a secular world, the biblical claim of absolute truth can seem either unreachable or simply bigoted. Christianity comes down to the claims of a person who offers ultimate meaning and hope. So the question should be asked, is there evidence and support for the claims of an absolute truth in Jesus Christ? Hi, this is Esther Lowe. Welcome to the GYC Beyond podcast. In this episode, I discuss the validity of Christianity with Dr. Anthony Bosman. Dr. Bosman is an assistant professor in mathematics at Andrews University and a recent graduate of Rice University as well as Stanford. Join us as we explore the philosophical claims of biblical religion. Welcome to GYC Beyond, the podcast, Anthony. Uh, It's really nice to have you here to share with us. I wanted to start off just beginning a, a conversation with finding out a little bit more about your background and what makes you, you. Um, so just tell me about your personal journey. How did you become a Christian? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, in some ways, I was raised in the church. I grew up in attending church, attending Christian schools, and, and mm-hmm. that was hugely formative in my life. Um, but when I reflect on this question, a period of time that really stands out is college. Because, you know, in university, I had left home. And so now is the question of, well, what do I believe? Mm-hmm. Where do I stand in these questions? Especially because, you know, I wasn't in a Christian setting anymore. And so there's all these different ways to which I can live. To how do I choose to live life? How do I choose what kind of beliefs are going to inform my living? Mm-hmm. And a class I took my freshman year that was really influential was a philosophy class called Truth, One, Many, or None. And so I've begun college uh-huh. by taking this class asking, is there one truth? Are there many truths or is there no truth? Uh-huh. And so obviously this, this had implications as I was thinking about, well, I grew up with this idea of Christianity. Is this truth? Is it one truth among many or is it the truth, right? Or, or is there maybe just no such thing as the absolute truth at all? Right. And so I, I kind of came in freshman year really encouraged by this class to, well, I want to investigate this thing for myself. Is this thing true, right? At the end of the day, that's what matters. Is it true? Are the claims of Christianity, especially the claims around Jesus, is there evidence? Is there support for those claims? Mm, Perfect. So I'm assuming that now that you're here and you're speaking from a Christian perspective, that you found that support that you needed to believe and and to feel confident in what you're believing. Um, But when I've discussed with you, now you seem very, very passionate about the Bible and about defending Christianity. So why are you passionate about that now? Excellent. So when I was in college, as well as answering big questions of truth and big questions about life, I was also studying mathematics. And I'm a mathematician, so I was going through studying mathematics at the time. And something that really drew me to mathematics, Mm -hmm. which I'll connect to the Bible in a moment, but just about mathematics is this idea of the richness or the inexhaustibility of mathematics. Mm -hmm. So in mathematics, there's this idea that we'll never be finished. Sometimes maybe you think like we've discovered everything there is to discover, but actually the opposite is true. There's an open field of endless discovery before us. And Mm -hmm. I found the same is true of scripture, that there's this unique quality of the Bible, that the more you dive into it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. And so there's this thing at night, I'm often like, as I fall asleep, I'm either thinking of some mathematical theorem I'm trying to prove, (laughs) or I'm reflecting on some teaching of scripture and realizing, wow, there's so much depth to this. Uh But one aspect in which the claims of scripture are different than that of mathematics is mathematics is just truth that makes no more claims upon my life. It has no uh, bearing upon how I actually live, right? Mm -hmm. If you believe the Pythagoras theorem is true or you don't believe it, 
that's not really going to make a deep impact, right? Right. But Christianity, because it comes down to the claims of a person, a claims of a person who, who's, who is God with us, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who is a God who is love. This has incredible richness and claims, not just for my life, but for the kind of world we live in. Mm-hmm. Is there ultimate hope? Is there ultimate meaning? Is there ultimate significance to the choices I'm making today? And so there's this incredible richness that, that just engages you intellectually, but then that translates to how you live and how you love those around you. Mm. So what I hear you saying is, is that mathematics is kind of um, just straightforward, pure fact. That's right. Um, but Christianity is a little bit more emotional and personal. Mm. And so you're looking now at not just factual truth, but personal and, and emotional truth that impacts your life. That's right. And I think what's really cool about Christianity is the way in which it integrates the two. Uh-huh. So ideas of like love and beauty and justice and truth, they all blend together. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the way this happens is in the person of Christ. So Christ comes along and says things like, I am the truth. And so uh-huh. now truth is actually embodied in a person. Wow. Where this person is also the embodiment of love, is the embodiment of beauty, is the embodiment of all these other things. And so now you have a comprehensive worldview. So it's not that I'm either emotional or I'm intellectual. Mm-hmm. It's I can be a whole person. That's perfect. That's beautiful. So earlier on, you mentioned that, you know, when you came to college, you experienced um, interactions with multiple kind of mm-hmm. truths. So how does a young person like myself or someone else who's going to a college campus, maybe a secular college campus, how do they deal with being um, brought into contact with those other stories um, like Buddhism or Taoism mm-hmm. or, or the Islamic faith? How do we know that the Christian story is more true than those mm. other stories? That's a great question. Um, in my freshman year, I was really interested in this question of, is Christianity true? Mm-hmm. And so something I did over spring break is I spent the spring break just going from one religious community to another. And so I visited um, Sikhs, I visited Muslims, I visited Buddhists. And then throughout the entire year, I tried to have ongoing relationships mm-hmm. with these people. It was, I want to understand how you see the world, right? Right. And, and I think something I found is it's not um, altogether a relationship of, either this or that, that there's many things that my Buddhist friend, my Muslim friend sees that's beautiful and true. And it's like, I can resonate with that, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's many points of, of commonality and said, I can resonate with that. But what I find Christianity offers is what C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I believe Christianity is true as I believe in the risen sun, not mm-hmm. just because I can see it, but because by it, I can see everything else. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way in which Christianity offers a comprehensive worldview a worldview that's able to explain everything from the sciences to, to these other religions mm-hmm. and how they fit in, to all these various things. Christianity offers you a broad view mm. that's able to make sense of it all. Okay, so instead of just having a religion which takes up one portion mm. of your life, Christianity takes up everything. Yeah, I would say that's true. And you know, you look at these other religions, and all of them are making some kind of statement about who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. right? Either he's a good teacher, or he was a rabbi, or he was... Um, a prophet, and so ultimately it comes down to who was Jesus, right? And so when you dig into the question of who was Jesus, I, I just found the historical evidence supported Jesus is who he claimed to be, the very Son mm-hmm. of God. Was there any particular, you know, for someone who's listening and mm. and has that question, was there any particular source that was the most helpful for you to just to settle that question? Yeah, well, I would encourage two things. The first is just the evidence surrounding the resurrection of Jesus, because mm-hmm. that's what makes the difference. Either uh-huh. either he 
was a good man and he was killed and then he died and remained dead, or he actually rose from the dead, in which case you need to take his claims a little bit more seriously. Um, but then the second thing that goes with that was his impact on history, mm-hmm. seeing how throughout just the history of Sanskrit Jesus, how, how the followers of Jesus have done things like the idea of human rights, the idea of um, ability to study, make sense of the universe, all mm-hmm. these things that are foundational to society today came out of this Jesus movement. Mm. That's quite profound. Now, um, if we look at the world that we have, we mentioned that Christianity deals with the whole person, Mm -hmm. but life often doesn't deal with the whole person. You know, we have our job, we have college, we have home, we have family, all in in separate boxes, so to speak. So how can a young person who's trying to navigate all Mm -hmm. these different areas of life, how can they bring that holistic Christianity into every area of their life and have a strong faith? Yeah, it's a really good question. Even in like your discipline, right? If yeah. you're studying something, maybe you, you study a very narrow area, right? right. You become very specialized mm-hmm. and you can kind of lose contact with that, that bigger, bigger portion of life. Mm-hmm. So there are two things I found really meaningful. The first is just engaging with a local church. Mm. So as you engage with a church community, you're forced to be with people unlike yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're forced to remember there's all these other aspects of living. There's all these other aspects of there's family. There's, there's all these other jobs, other, other ways of living. And you're forced to come into contact with that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I couldn't recommend enough engaging with a local church. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I found super meaningful is Sabbath rest. Mm-hmm. And so intentionally taking that time on the seventh day of the week to take that time aside and say, you know what? I'm not just going to be defined by the things I do these other six days of the week. Mm. My work, whatever I'm studying, for me, mathematics, or whatever you're doing, that's not what's going to define me. I'm going to be defined by by these bigger ideas. I'm going to be defined by God and his love for Mm me. I'm going to be defined by my relationships. I'm going to be defined by a deeper meaning and significance than anything I can produce myself throughout the week. Mm. Okay, I like how you address both that community Mm. and time. Yes. So both of these being aspects that help you interact and um, put that faith into your entire holistic life. Um, So we touched on the Sabbath, but what unique contribution does Adventism have to this bigger story of Christianity and how has that impacted you? Yeah, I think when you think of Seventh-day Adventists, you often think of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But what the Sabbath is really doing is it's connecting us with this much bigger story, Mm -hmm. a story that goes from creation, even before creation, to new creation. Mm -hmm. And so what Adventism does is it takes this little slice of time we're in now and it reminds us that that's just part of a much bigger story. And then it's able to connect you with that bigger story. And so the way we live out our lives today isn't just in light of the world we find ourselves in, mm. but we live in light of this, this new world that we're coming into and the world that we were made for, mm-hmm. right? And so if we were made for a world where God is love and this is the principal reality, we're going to begin living that out. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think when we think of the apocalyptic nature, the, the sense of the soon coming of Christ, Sometimes this leads people to a position of retreat or fear. Mm -hmm. But what it should lead you to instead is realizing that, no, in fact, God is bringing about a better world. And so let's start living out that way of life now. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you you see this for is like healthcare. Mm -hmm. The reason we're so passionate about living holy is because we're living in light of this new world to come. Mm-hmm. Or we're so passionate about questions of justice, or so passionate about all these other matters, is because we have a sense of the world the way it ought to be, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to live that out now. Right. So, having a big story. Yes. There's not just one story. So Christianity talks about Christ and how that interacts with your lifestyle and your individuality, but 
you're saying that Adventism contributes by expanding the perspective of that story to realize it's historical, it has a beginning, it has an ending. So can we unpack that a bit more? Uh, most of us, you know, have heard some of this story before. Mm -hmm. But what is, to you, the great controversy story? Yeah, I, I really love this series of books that breaks it down, the, the series on... the. It begins with this book, Patriarchs and Prophets. So mm -hmm. this is um, Ellen White, one of the founders of the, of the Adventist Church. She goes through and, and this commentary on scripture, going from the beginning, Patriarchs and Prophets, and through five volumes, through the last one, The Great Controversy, just mm -hmm. expands this huge story, right? And what I love about it is she begins and she ends with the same three-word expression, God is love. Mm. And so from her understanding, that this is the central reality in which everything is taking place. That from the beginning, you have a God who is love until the end when that reality again will be fully manifest and fully realized. And so what Adventism does is it, working within this context of God is love, mm -hmm. it begins to address questions of, well, why is there evil? Why mm -hmm. is there suffering? Why was this allowed? Right? Right. And so you just touched now on probably the biggest question mm. that any young person, Adventist, Christian, non-Christian, any young person across the board has asked this question. If there is a God who is good... Why does he allow sin and suffering? Why have I experienced hurt? Why, when I go to church, maybe some of the people there are not, not kind to me, why does God allow that? How do, do you think the big picture of the great controversy theme addresses that particular problem? Yeah, it's, it's not an easy question to answer in just a moment, but I think there's a few windows that can help us to begin to engage with it. Mm -hmm. and, and the first one is at the center of the story, is Christ on the cross. Mm. And so you have to realize that in suffering and pain, God has now remained distant from this. Mm -hmm. Rather, God has entered in and God has suffered. And ultimately what the cross is revealing is not just that God suffered in the one moment, mm -hmm. but throughout the whole thing, God is the one who has suffered the most. That sin wow. has caused God to suffer the most. Now, that's one window, right? Mm -hmm. You have another window then that says, okay, why would God allow these things to happen? And ultimately it comes down to the fact that if God is love, then his ultimate end goal is loving relationship with us, mm -hmm. right? And in order to have loving relationship with us, he must allow for us to have freedom of choice, freedom of will. Mm -hmm. And so freedom of will, though, then entails that there's going to be some possibility that we could choose otherwise. Mm -hmm. Now, you might think, but God is God. Couldn't he just look down into the future and mm -hmm. know, oh, you know, this one's going to rebel, so I'm just not going to create this individual. Mm -hmm. But there's this fundamental truth that God values our freedom so much mm -hmm. that even though he knows that we might rebel, right? Even though he knows that we will rebel, right. he, he's, he's, he values us so much. He says, you know what? I'm not going to deny you that freedom. Mm. I'm still going to allow that to happen. And so it, it seems like an incredibly dangerous way mm -hmm. to run the universe, right? Yeah. It's like what, with love, this principle of allowing this freedom, how, how could this ever work out? But somehow scripture reveals that actually in the end, this prevails. Mm. The love prevails and you end up with the universe that you don't have coercion or force or the means by which we relate to God is not a means of fear, but relate mm -hmm. to God in this dynamic of love. Okay. So I hear two points. Yes. And the first one is that God is hurting when we hurt. Yes. And the second point is that God allows that because he wants us to have freedom. And sometimes freedom involves choosing things that are hurtful. Mm -hmm. um, but let's Maybe just... I can jump in really fast because yeah. there's one more thing I want to bring in here. Uh -huh. And that's that the pain is temporary. Right. And that is something that's mm -hmm. so beautiful about Adventism. You know, sometimes we have these perhaps distorted views about the future uh -huh. that 
ultimately in the end when God judges, he's going to make suffering and pain everlasting. You know, he's going to bring about this everlasting pain and suffering for those who do not agree with him. Right. Right. So we have these pictures of people in hellfire or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But as we've studied the scripture, we've discovered that, in fact, that's not true. Mm-hmm. In fact, God is bringing it to a, an end. Pain and suffering mm-hmm. will mean an end. So when Revelation says things about how there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, mm-hmm. it literally means it. It's going to come to an end. That's beautiful. So it's God is trying to work with us in our freedom of will to not have pain and suffering anymore. Um, But let's just backtrack because I'm sure you've heard some of this on a secular college campus that I've heard is, you know, they'll say things like, well, you know, you say that God is love and he allows freedom of choice, but what about the Amalekites in the Old Testament that God asked the Israelites to eradicate? How do we take some of those acts in the Old Testament and relate that to this picture of God that you've just talked about? Yeah, no, these are heavy questions. Yeah. And I, I think for a number of young adults, when they when they first read the stories or they hear these stories, it's easy for them to get big questions about, well, why would God command this? Or why did God allow this, mm-hmm. right? And it seems like God's getting his hands really messy. Yeah. And the first thing I'll say is, you know what, I, I think these questions do raise some stories about God where you might have some questions about mm-hmm. why is God allowing this? And that's why it's so significant when Jesus comes on the scene because Jesus reveals that, no, 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 whatever questions you might have had about God and if he's for you or against you, it is now perfectly clear he is fully for you. Uh-huh. But in addition to that, I also find that when you dig into the stories a little bit deeper, that it's, don't just do a surface reading, that actually what God is doing, it, it maybe sometimes we misrepresent it. Mm. So for instance, as you go throughout the book of Joshua, there's this scene where the angel of the Lord, this representative of God, comes before Joshua. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is the book of genocide, we all think. This is this right. is the bloody book. But he comes to Joshua, and Joshua says, who are you for? Are you for, uh, are you on my side, or are you on their side? Uh-huh. And his answer is no. <laughs> I'm not taking sides. And then as you go through and you see what happens is the way that God interacts with, he's constantly giving opportunities for people to turn and repent and, and be aligned with him. Mm. Now, now, there are some serious judgments. Mm-hmm. There are some serious moments. But, but you know what? I don't think that we're to- entirely against judgment. You mm-hmm. know, you look at what these communities were doing. There were things going on like child sacrifice. Mm. There's these incredible wicked acts. And I think a modern analogy might be something like the Holocaust, right? right. When you see something like the Holocaust, and what, when you see something like this, you go, we want judgment, Mm-hmm. We want someone to step in and end this, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what God is doing. God is stepping in and he's bringing an end to these groups that were just so entirely wicked, they were sacrificing their own children. Wow. Yeah, so that's a really great point. So we can see the need for justice in things that we perceive and we know are injustices in the world. That's right. But sometimes we lose our perspective when we look at history and God's interaction with it. Um, so just kind of wrapping up all of these ideas mm. as we finish, um, how do we take this concept, this great controversy theme of God being a God of love, he's giving us will mm. to choose, and we've had a starting point, and we're going to have an ending point where pain and suffering are finished. How do we use that to, to reach somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a great question because... We've been talking about the great controversy in these cosmic terms. Mm-hmm. But the reality is everyone has a great controversy going on within their hearts as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you come across someone, you know, they're wrestling. 
they have some sense of beauty, some sense of truth, some sense of what is right,、mm-hmm. right? That that they're trying to align their lives toward. But they also have some sense of brokenness. They have some sense of you know, there's a, the competing forces going on、mm-hmm. inside of them. There's a, there's a turmoil within them, right? And so I, I think what's so important is when we approach someone, we recognize that it's not that they're on this side of the controversy or that. Rather,、uh-huh. the controversy is happening inside their hearts at that moment. Right, and so how can we come alongside them, and how can we encourage them? How can we point them to the love of God?、Mm. How can we say that, hey, I know you have some big questions about about yourself, about God, about why you're going through this, but I just need、mm. to show you a picture of God's love in Christ,、mm. because something happens when you see that glimpse of God's love in Christ. That love is awakened in you,、mm-hmm. and that then becomes the power to reorientate your life from the destructive, from the from all these other forces that that might lead you down to to the way of God, to the way of the beautiful, to the way of the true.、Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage us to reflect upon not just the great controversy in cosmic terms,、mm-hmm. but the great controversy happening in each individual's heart as well. That's beautiful. I think that's a great place to end, and just remembering that. The story of Christianity, the story that Adventism tells, is a big one that、mm-hmm. involves the whole world and the history of the world. But it's also a story that's it's a small one that involves our individual hearts, and that choice then becomes a fight over whether we're going to give our will、that's、and、right. experience God's love in our lives. Thank you so much for sharing with us, and、um, we appreciated all the thoughts that you've had to offer us、um, this afternoon. Thank you. Much appreciation to Dr. Anthony Bosman for sharing with us. I hope that you have been challenged to explore the claims of Christianity more deeply and discover its personal relevance.